The families interviewed believed that the girls could cause illnesses among the family's elderly if they touched them while menstruating. The humiliation and stigma those girls endure is worth public outcry. Hinduism is the primary religion, 81% in Nepal. Although Judaism and Christianity have made small inroads into the country, this practice of barring young menstruating women from their homes does not seem to have a direct relationship to Old Testament law. Yet I can't help but think of similar instructions in the law. See Leviticus chapter 15, 19 through 33. When I hear of the Nepali practice, I know from scripture that despite the similarities, the Nepali practice is a perversion of God's intent in the law. The Nepali tradition attributes to girls on their periods something Old Testament law never does. It does so without the law's corresponding instructions to men, and it perpetuates a practice that Jesus said 2,000 years ago was brought to completion through him. We will work this out in greater detail in chapters 6 and 7. But the comparison puts a question to us, one that many women ask themselves. Is the Bible good for women? How can a book that includes instructions on where a woman can sleep or sit when menstruating be trusted by women today when similar modern practices like that of the Nepalese are clearly harmful for women? We have not always been suspicious about the Bible's take on women's issues. For long periods in history, people viewed the Bible and Christianity as powers that lifted the downtrodden and demoralized to new places of respect. During the 20th century, the first wave of feminism gave voice to women whom society had long marginalized. In 1920, women finally won the right to vote in the United States, due in large part to the efforts of Christians. The Women's Christian Temperance Union led this movement seeking to apply biblical principles of social justice to larger society. Based in part on their understanding of Jesus and the Bible, men and women of faith fought together for women to have the right to vote. This first wave of feminism resulted in women's right to vote and inherent land, along with subsequent benefits to both women and children as women gained a voice in legislation. But as the century wore on, there came a fork in the road in which Orthodox Christianity seemed to go in one direction concerning the rights of women, and second-wave feminism, which focused on birth control, abortion rights, and equal pay, in another. In the last few years, many pro-women authors, for lack of a better name, even Christian ones, have painted a picture of women in the Bible that is troubling, even referring to certain passages concerning women in the Bible as texts of terror. According to many books and popular blogs, the view in our current culture is that an orthodox understanding of the Bible is threatening and even downright harmful to women. The similarities between Old Testament law having to do with women on their periods and the Nepali practice that results in shaming menstruating girls seems to only reinforce such a distrust of Scripture. Other books have dissected the history of evangelical Christianity and the secular women's movement. Rather than looking at how we arrived at the 21st century general mistrust of the Bible regarding women, I would like instead to simply challenge it by encouraging us to discover and use a Jesus-centered understanding of Scripture when reading the Bible. 
In turn, this gives us a Jesus-centered understanding of how the Bible speaks about women and to women in its pages. I believe this process will give us all a life-giving perspective of our gendered selves in God's kingdom. It will help us see the profound difference in the shame that fathers project on demonstrating Nepali daughters and the dignity God places on his. Check your baggage first. Before we develop a Jesus-centered understanding of Scripture, let's examine any personal baggage we might bring to this study. What presuppositions and suspicions do you carry into a discussion of gender in the Bible? What can we agree on as a basic foundation to start the discussion? Secular or Christian, feminist or conservative, most everyone agrees that men and women are not exactly the same. The biological differences are obvious. The role culture takes in influencing other differences is debated.